to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. We'll just remain standing, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. This is a good atmosphere to preach in. And uh, I want to preach a message that falls in line with Thanksgiving weekend. I've entitled it, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And hopefully you're thankful today for what God has done in your heart and in your life. Luke chapter 17, beginning of verse 11. And uh, while you're turning, and I'm glad you got your Bibles, bring your Bibles to church. Don't ever stop bringing your Bibles to church. If you got a phone, hopefully you got a Bible on it. But I want you to just do this. I wanted to do this. Just turn around. I thank you for social distancing. You've been sitting with families together. Just turn around and wave at some people and say hello. And if you see somebody you don't know, just look at them and say, hey. Just say hello and, and, and say hello to them. Maybe you have some visitors that are here today. And I, I know we used to do some fellowship time. We're trying to hold off on that. But I just want everybody to feel welcome today. Luke chapter 17, beginning of verse 11. This is a story, a Jesus story. It says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10, lepers, uh, 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Notice that, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. I'm going to preach just a little bit right here that's not part of my message. He said, Your faith has made you well. And that's one translation of the word that is used there in the Greek, but it could very well be translated, Arise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. And it's very possible that while nine got a healing miracle, the tenth got a healing miracle and then came back and Jesus saved his soul. Can we give God praise this morning for the word? You can be seated. So here's the story. Jesus is on his way to the city of Jerusalem, and while he is on his way, he passes through a certain village and is met by ten men, a group of men, ten of them in all, and these men were lepers. Now, we don't really talk much about leprosy, don't know much about leprosy, uh, because we are able to treat leprosy in the 21st century. But in the first century, leprosy was a terrible disease. There was no cure. And it was a horrible disease. And for these 10 men, it created a very tremendous physical need. Let me just show for you for a minute what leprosy does to the body. The, Bible, the, the, the uh, biology tells us and medicine tells us that leprosy infects the skin, and the nerves of the hands and the feet. And the result is three things. You have, a, you have dry, cracked skin. You have a loss of ability to feel touch 
or of protective sensation. For example, if you touch a hot stove, you can't feel it. And then third, a loss of strength. Sometimes this occurs with the paralysis of small muscles. And as I said, there was no treatment in Jesus' day. So if you acquired leprosy, it meant you were going to have a lifetime of suffering. And so that was the physical need for these ten men. But there's more. The leprosy created within them a very significant religious loss. So there wasn't just the physical aspect, but there was a religious aspect. According to Leviticus chapter 13, the Bible, in the Old Testament, if you had any kind of skin disease, and obviously leprosy was included, then it meant that you were ceremonially unclean. Now what that meant was you were banned from taking part of the temple ceremonies, the worship experiences. You couldn't do any of those things. So here was the ramification for those ten men. They lived an isolated life. They had to avoid contact with people so as to not make them ceremonially unclean. They couldn't enter God's house. They couldn't fellowship with God's people like we're doing today. They couldn't go to God's house and worship. And they were required to continually call out, unclean, unclean, to warn others who would draw near to them. And this is why the Bible says that these ten men stood afar off from Jesus when they called out to to him. So when you look at these men and their condition, some would say, I would say, that these men had very little to be thankful for and a lot to be bitter about. And I think we can see that. So then they're in this pitiful condition and they're in this particular village and Jesus passes by. And now things are about to change. And when they see the Lord, they cry out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Could you hear ten men? What if I got ten men up in front of this church right now and told them to all yell at the same time, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It would be a roar. I mean, you get ten men yelling out loud. That's a roar, men. And so I just want you to imagine these ten men yelling at the top of their lungs, Jesus, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. And he's yelling. And here's the reason why. Even though they had to stay away from everybody, they could still catch the news reports that came through as people were talking. They didn't have social media. So there, was, there wasn't a Jerusalem Chronicle on their phone. They were reading the news about this man from Galilee. No, they just heard it as people would walk by. And they heard that this man named Jesus could heal the sick and raise the dead. And that he had made blind people to see and deaf people to hear and lame people to walk. And this was the one that really got their attention. And he had made lepers cleansed and clean. And so when they heard that and then they saw Jesus, they had faith and they started yelling out to him because they trusted, listen to me, that what he did for others, he would do for them. How many of you know if Jesus did it for somebody else, he'll do it for you? He's no respecter of persons. Now I want you to notice they did not allow their physical need or their religious loss to keep them from Jesus. They didn't just say, oh, well, we don't need to bother him. We're in bad shape. We're too far gone. Leave the man alone. No, 
Their loss and their need drove them to Jesus. And that's what you need to know today, that if you have loss in your life or you have a need in your life, you need to run to Jesus. Do like these lepers because guess what? Needs and losses are Jesus' specialty. That's what he specializes in. The Bible says he will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you've lost something, God will return it to you a hundredfold. And I'm glad we sang that first new song, Nothing is Too Hard for Him. Even that last song, he's the only one who can. And so God's grace, somebody needs to hear this, God's grace and mercy are unlimited. God's grace and mercy are unconditional. So all you have to do is just come to him and cry out in faith and he will meet your need. And he can meet physical needs, he can meet mental needs, he can meet emotional needs, he can meet spiritual needs, financial needs, relational needs, needs within your business. Nothing is too hard for him. Hallelujah. And you may be here today and say, you know, Pastor, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not close to God. I'm like those lepers. I'm afar off. I haven't been praying like I should. I haven't been reading my Bible like I should. To be honest, I'm still saved, but I'm just not as close to the Lord. And I, I know some things I say and do sometimes. I disappoint the Lord so often. I don't feel worthy. I feel distant. I feel, I feel unworthy. Don't let the devil. I'm going I'm to call something out right now. The first service. All you watching online, this is where you get a little taste of Pentecost. I fought hell preaching this message, and I'm fighting hell right now. I can feel it. If you're not spiritual, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I am not going to try to keep, I feel like I'm wading through mud right now. But I'm not wading through mud. I'm going to stop right now. Anybody that's a prayer warrior, I need your help. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is your time and your house and your people, and I am your man, and I didn't come here to go through 30 minutes of fighting hell and feel like, God, the enemy is trying to come against me. Devil, I take authority over you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because right now the Lord has revealed to me that somebody's in this building that is desperate that needs to hear this message, and you will not hinder them, and you will not hinder me. I rebuke you and cast you out of this house in the name of Jesus. Get out of here right now. I've just had a revelation of the Holy Ghost. This message may not be for anybody else in this house, but there's one person that needs it. So you just keep listening, whoever you are. Hallelujah. I'm a fighter. I'm, I'm sick and tired. I feel like I'm up here and being a punching bag. I'm tired of it. You all say, Pastor, what in the world? My God, what's happened to you? You just don't know. When you preach under the anointing and then you can feel it, I'm not, gonna, I'm not putting up with it. Stinking devil, he can go to a bar somewhere and bother somebody there. He's not going to bother the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. Somebody needs to hear this. Right now, you feel distant from God. You feel unworthy. You feel like, you feel like I can't go to God. That is a lie of the devil. Don't you, don't you let, because you've been slack spiritually, the devil will take that and run with it, and he'll try to run you down spiritually until you backslide and get away from God. This is when you run to God. Listen, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He is a good, good father. And if you'll come back to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I need your touch one more time. I need your help one more time. He will touch you. Don't you let the devil talk you out of your blessing. Don't you feel like you're, none of us are worthy if that's the case, but you come just as you are and say, God, touch me. Help me, Lord, and he'll touch you. 
Hallelujah. Thank God. And you know, that's exactly what happened to these lepers. He didn't touch them. He did something unique. He instructed them to do something unusual. So they're standing far off, 10 men yelling to the top of their lungs, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. Jesus stops standing away from them and he says, hey, here, this is what he didn't say. Be healed. Your faith has made you whole. Come over here. I'm coming. I'm going to lay hands on you. You know he touched lepers and healed them? He did. You read it in the Bible. He didn't touch them. He didn't say come here. He said go. Go and show yourself to the priest. Let me teach you something. The Bible, the Old Testament says that when you had a skin disease like that, and let's say God healed you or it dried up, you would go to the priest. The priest was the doctor. And you would go to the priest, and they would examine you head to foot. And they would check you out all over. And if they would determine that the skin disease was gone, then they would pronounce you clean. And you could once again go back to the temple and be around people. It would be awesome. You talk about a glorious day. Okay, that would be like going to the doctor. You had cancer, and you go to the doctor. The doctor says, hey, we get through the treatments. Cancer's gone. You're gone. Would you just stand there and say, okay. No, you'd yell and shout and scream. they go out and ring a bell and whatever else. You'd get all excited, right? Hallelujah, it's gone. It's not just a remission, it's gone. Praise the Lord. And so you got to know they were excited. So, but here's the thing. You only did that after it dried up. They were full of leprosy. And Jesus is telling them to go do something now that you're only supposed to do after you're healed. Now, let me tell you what the guys didn't do. They didn't say, okay, Jesus, can you hold on just a second? All right, guys, get in the huddle. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I make a motion that we create this group as a committee of the uh, non, non, non uh, uh, conventional, unconventional tactics of dealing with leprosy committee by Jesus. I'm coming up with something here. We need a chairman. I'll be the chairman. Okay, good. You're chairman. M Mr. Chairman, I make a motion that we don't do what he said. Because if we do what he said, we're going to get over there covered up in leprosy. They're going to run us off. They got a temple guard over there with swords and spears. And the other guy in the one of the tents said, I second that motion. We can't go over there. You're not Third one said, Mr. Chairman, I'm gonna make Mr. Chairman, can I make a speech? You're not supposed the Bible says. That you're not supposed to go to the priest until the stuff's gone. I mean, we look at all of us. We all got leprosy. We're not supposed to go. We're not doing what the Bible says. But Jesus says, what are we supposed to do here? And third, fourth, said, you know, this is just getting me confused. I make a motion. We table the whole thing. That You think that happened? That there was doubt and discussion? No. No. Desperate people don't doubt and question, desperate people are just looking for an answer. And when you get to God, you found the answer. <laughs> you don't have to look at it. And when he said go, they said, okay, let's go, boys. And off they headed down the road. You see, that's faith and obedience. That's trusting God by being obedient. And so they started down the road, and Jesus just stood there grinning. Maybe the disciples there, and he said, watch this, guys. 
And as they're walking, I don't know how far they got. They're walking, doing the Lord. And one of them looked at the other and said, hey, hey, put your hands out. Look, your leprosy's gone. And one said, look at you, your leprosy's gone. And the other said, look, your leprosy, your leprosy's gone. You don't have any leprosy. Look at there. They're pulling their robes up. Look, I don't have any leprosy. I can feel. I feel. Slap my hand. Give me five. Give me five. Yeah, give me some, give me some skin, brother. Yeah, high five. I can feel that. And don't you know, they had a shouting time. In that moment, healing virtue came down from glory, and the Holy Ghost touched all ten men from the top of their heads, through the end of their fingers, down through the bottom of their feet. The power got to them. They might have jerked like we Pentecostals do. And the Holy Ghost hit them, and every bit of leprosy was gone, and God healed them. Come on, somebody give him praise for something that happened 2,000 years ago. Just like that. What would you have done? Oh, don't you know they're high-fiving, they're shouting, they're yelling, they're rejoicing, they're all excited. Jesus had not only healed them, but restored to them what they had lost. It was awesome. Now, if I stop the sermon right here, the message right here, woo, it'd be hallelujah, that was good, Pastor. Man, praise the Lord, I heard a few good things. Let's go eat turkey leftover. How many of you are sick of turkey leftover right now? Okay, five or six or seven of you. The story's not done. It's not finished. There were two distinct reactions to the healing. The first reaction was from nine of the lepers. They shouted, they rejoiced, they got happy. But then they just went on their way. They never came back to Jesus. I'm going to assume that Jesus was still in distance where they could view him. They scattered. And it is evident that though they were blessed, listen to me, might step on a toe or two from this point on, though they were blessed, it's really clear they were ungrateful. They were ungrateful. That's reaction one. Reaction two was one guy, a Samaritan, he's not even Jewish, he's half Jewish, He's high-fiving everybody. He's looking at his hands. He can feel. He can, he's just like, it's just unbelievable. Everything's just, and then it hits him. And while the other ten scatter, he turns around and hits back the road to Jesus. And his reaction is to go to Jesus and, and, and listen, do what he couldn't do before. Now he can get close. And he walks right up to Jesus' feet, and he bows down, and he falls down on his face. And he's giving glory to God. And that's our way of saying he's having himself a shouting hallelujah time. But then when he got on his knees, this is what he said. Thank you, Lord, for what you just did for me. Thank you for what you've done for me. Two distinct reactions. Offered thanks to God. This is Thanksgiving weekend. It's a time when we focus on giving thanks for what we have and we're reminded to be thankful. I think this is a good time to do it this morning. Because I see two fundamental truths within this story. Very simple preaching. Very simple preaching. Okay. Here they are. Truth number one. You need to have an attitude of gratitude. An attitude. An attitude. A mindset. An attitude. Um, you know, some people, some people get an attitude. Okay. If I say the wrong thing to my wife. She can get a good attitude. She can get an attitude. 
Okay, I don't ever get an attitude. Right. But she, so, you know, you're probably the same way with your spouse. You can get an attitude, right? Okay, it's one thing to get an attitude. It's another thing to have an attitude, to carry an attitude, all right? I don't want you to just get an attitude of gratitude. I want you to carry an attitude of gratitude. I, I want it to define you as someone who is grateful, someone who is thankful 24 hours a day, seven days, that it's just, it's part of who you are, that you just look around and when you just, any moment time, you just stop and can be one thing or it can just be the panoramic view of your life and you just go, God has been so good to me. I'm just so blessed. We are, you look at your wife, your husband, you say, we are so blessed, aren't we? That's an attitude of gratitude. You say, how do I, how do I get that, Pastor? Take inventory of what you have. The old saying is, count your blessings. Isn't it sad how too often people focus on what they don't have and fail to focus on what they do have? Well, I, don't, I don't have this. Well, my sister has that. I don't understand. I don't know why my brother got those. He got that trait and I didn't. I don't understand why they gave that job to that guy at work and I didn't have it. I wish I had more money. I wish I had this. I wish if I had this, I'd do that, but I don't have this. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand why, 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 that just, why can't I get lucky like that? All the time, it's about negative, negative, what you don't have. They don't even, people don't even take time to just stop and say, but look what you do have. God has been good to you. Amen? God has been good to you. And you ought to be grateful for what he's done for you. There is a verse of the Bible that means a lot to me. It's James chapter 1, verse 17, and here's how it reads. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father. And I use that verse a lot when I pray because I remind God that, God, every good thing I have in my life comes from you. I think I've told you before, Nebuchadnezzar went crazy for seven years because he looked around at his great Babylonian kingdom and he said, look what I've done. And God struck him down for seven years with insanity. And when he finally got his senses back, took seven years in that condition, he was humbled and he said, I realize that God said this in the book of Daniel. He said, you didn't do this. I gave it to you. And if God will give a king a kingdom, what makes us think that what we have, we secured? Everything we have comes from you. So it's, I got my job. I applied for it. Yeah, but who, who gave you the favor? Why did they pick you over somebody else? You understand what I'm saying? I could take you. Everything you say, I could, I could just take you back and say, yeah, but God gave you this. You know, well, well, I made five sales this week. God didn't do that. Yeah, but who gave you the opportunities? Who gave you the favor? Why didn't they pick your competitor? Everything we have is a gift from the Father. And you have so much to be thankful for, your family, your health, your job, if you have a roof over your head, food, salvation, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, your church, your friends, the list goes on. We're blessed, aren't we? And can I just talk about food for a minute? Do a little discipleship training here. And especially men, I'm going to put this onus on you if you're, you know, the head of your household, whatever. Not that it has to be this way, but I just, I'm just i going to put the burden on you. When, you. when you sit down to eat, you should pray and thank God for your food. The Bible says to do that. The Bible says your food is to be received with, say it, thanksgiving. 
whether you're in a restaurant, I've done this for years. Ask my grown sons. They'll tell you their whole life. It didn't matter what restaurant we're in. It didn't matter who was sitting around. I didn't care if their friends were there. If their friends went out to eat with us, I'd say, bow your head. Let's, we're going to pray. And we would pray, and we would thank God for our food. Why? Because the Bible says so, but also because I'm grateful for something to eat. But if you've grown up in a family that's functional and has had money and there's always been food on the table, it might be that you're taking for granted something that our brothers and sisters in Central America and Honduras and Guatemala, Guatemala and Ethiopia aren't taking for granted because sometimes a meal is hard to find. We shouldn't take for granted what God has done for us. And that's why every time you sit down, I don't care if the president would be sitting at the table next to me. I'd wave at him, and then I'd say, bow your head, let's pray. And you don't just bless it. Let God bless it. Be thankful for it. Ah, now you're getting into minutia. I'm, I am. I am. But I've gone out with a lot of people, and they say, Lord, bless this food in Jesus' name. And I'm like, he's already blessed it. I mean, he's going to bless it. Let's be thankful for it. Be thankful for it. It's how it's blessed. The Bible says receive a thing. And I always, if people do that, I'll say under my breath, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. You can ask Evan, when Evan, before he got married, we used to go out to eat. Evan and I'd go out to eat or something. We'd pray. I'd say, Evan, you want to pray? He'd pray. He'd thank the Lord. He'd say, thank you, Lord, for this food in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd say, thank you. What was my line, Evan? Thank you, Lord, for something to eat. That was my little line. After he'd get done, I'd say, thank you, Lord, for something to eat. I'm just telling you, gratitude is a sign of discipleship and righteousness. Just as much as ingratitude is a sin and a sign of unrighteousness. If you've lost someone or something, God has restored them, you ought to be thankful. If you've had a wayward child that's come back to the Lord, you better tell the Lord thank you. If you've had a broken relationship that's been mended, oh, tell the Lord thank you. If you had a lost customer that returned to your business, Hallelujah. When once they pay their bill and walk off and they're driving off, say, Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Whatever it is, the small things, the big things, if you recovered from sickness, oh, thank God, those symptoms are finally out of my system. It feels good to feel good again. Praise the Lord. Anybody ever get tired of being sick and tired? Right? And you just, when you don't anymore, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's have an attitude of gratitude. But you got to take it one step further, and this is truth number two. Not only do you need to maintain an attitude of gratitude, but you need to express your gratitude. Say something. Say thank you. Show it. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. In everything, not for everything. There are some things I'm not thankful for. Okay, I'm not thankful for the fact that the Tigers lost to Notre Dame last week. I wasn't thankful for that. And you, all you Gamecock fans, I don't have time to list all the things you ain't thankful for. Or you Georgia fans, or you Tennessee fans. Okay, so we're all in the boat together. But I'm not thankful for some things. But the Bible says that in everything, whether it's good or bad, on the mountain, in the valley, everything's going wonderful, or I'm in the middle of a trial, in everything, the good times and the bad times, I can still find some reason to say thank you, God, for what you've done for me. I give you praise. In everything, give thanks. 
That's the sign of maturity and discipleship when you do that. And if you just let your mood and your situation kill your praise, then let me just say something very strong. You need to grow up. You just need to mature in the Lord and say, you know what? I'm not going to let my praise to God be contingent upon my external circumstances. My praise to God is based on something internal, and that's Jesus on the inside working on the outside, and everything's going to be all right. I give you praise and glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I try to, oh, let me just say this. This is really important. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. This is the wishes of God. This is the desires of God concerning you. You in Christ Jesus. So what does God want? Listen to me, really strong truth. When God blesses you, this tells me he wants your expression of gratitude. Okay, he wants it. He just simply and sincerely wants you to say, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. I try to disciple people by instruct, instructing them to spend a lot of time expressing thanks to God in the beginning of their prayer time. And I wanted to do that with you today. I got up this morning early and threw my clothes on. It was cold, but I don't let it stop me and put a hoodie on and gloves and I walk my two miles in my neighborhood. I, you know, my joke is I'm the guy that walks around the neighborhood mumbling, mumbling to himself, you know. There goes that guy walking by our house. Bring the kids in quick. Um, and so I walk around. I'm praying. I'm talking to the Lord. And here's how it works. I step outside of my driveway, and I start, and I use the Lord's prayer. I'll say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And as I'm walking up the driveway and about to cross the street, I'll say, Papa God, I worship you and praise you. And I get to the other side of the sidewalk, hang a left, and I start walking. And this is what I do. I say, Lord, I thank you for this day. This is a beautiful day. The sky is blue. The sun's coming up. It hadn't come up. It's starting to come up. I hear the birds singing, Lord, this cold, crisp air. I love it, Lord. Hallelujah. This is so odd. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Thank you, God, for another day to live for you and serve you. And this morning I said, Lord, this is the Lord's day. Hallelujah. I get to go to church and worship and be with my brothers and sisters, my family. And I just give you praise and I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your and, and faith and hope and joy and peace and love and your righteousness reckoned to my I thank you, Lord, that my trespasses aren't imputed against me. I thank you, God, for that unbelievable grace and mercy you lavish on me every day. And and then I thank him for my family. And then I'm thanking for you. And then I start, th and I just go down the list and I think about everything. And if he's answering my prayers that week or the day before, I say, oh, God, I know I prayed last night. Well, guess what? This happened. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. Listen, some people say, I can't pray more than five minutes. If you'd spend the first time of your prayer giving God thanks, you'd pray for 20 minutes or longer. If you just take time. And I do the same thing every day. And I thought one time, I thought, you know, I wonder if God gets tired of it. I don't think he does. Because morning by morning, new mercies I see. Every day's a new day, and I, I just sometimes I say, Lord, I know I thank you. And I, I'll, I'll add new things in there, but I'll say, Lord, I know I'm just thanking you for the same things each day, but God, you bless me with the same things every day, and I don't ever want you to think that I am ungrateful. I, there are a lot of things I'm not, but one of the things I refuse to be is an ingrate. I'm thankful when people do something for me, when God does something for me, just the blessings, the general blessings of God. I want to go to my grave with an attitude that says, I am so grateful for everything God has done for me. 
I don't know what happened to those other nine men. Maybe they rushed home to see their loved ones. Maybe they were ready to go get a job. Maybe they wanted to go socialize with their friends or reopen their businesses, but they messed up because they had an opportunity to fall at the feet of the one who had done the most unbelievable thing for them and be in the presence of God, and they were too busy and too distracted to realize that what he had done for them deserved at least a few moments in his presence saying thank you. And how often are you guilty of doing this? God blesses you and is good to you daily, and you never tell him thanks. I mean, I'm just saying, if the shoe fits, wear it. I, I don't know. You pray, God answers your prayers, and then you forget to say words of gratitude to him. And maybe it's because you're busy. Maybe it's because you're, you're just too busy enjoying the blessings of God, all the good things God has given you. But let me just say this. You should never be too busy to stop and tell the Lord how much you appreciate who he is and what he has done for you. should never be too busy. Jesus said, where are the nine? Look at the disciples. Looked at this guy, the one, and he said, where are the nine? Is this the only guy we've, is there no, about, no other person here? I'm, I'm, we haven't found any of the rest of them? And I looked at those words found and where and the nine, and I, and I, and I realized that Jesus was looking for the other nine. We can't give them a pass. You understand? We can't just say, oh, well, they're lost. No, this was an issue with the Lord. Where are they? And when I read that, here's what sprung off the page at me, is that when God blesses you and God blesses me, he is standing there waiting for us to respond with gratitude. He's there waiting. He's expecting it. And so... I don't ever want God to bless me. And then look around at the angels in heaven and the saints and say, where's Chris the star? I mean, I've really done some pretty amazing things in his life here. Where is he? He hasn't shown up. He hasn't fallen before me. He hasn't said thank you. Where, where is he? I don't ever want that to happen. How about you? Do you want that to happen? No. I, I don't ever want that to happen. For every trial, every trial that he brings through, every mountain he brings me over, every blessing, every good gift, I want to give him all of my thanks and all of my praise every time. While we're at it, we'll close with this. Let's, let's talk about expressing gratitude to people too. There are some words that go a long, long way with people and the words thank you fit in that category. Whenever I do something for somebody, I try to do it out of love, out of compassion, out of sincerity. I just, I'm doing this like God. I just want to do it to be gracious and loving. And that should always, you shouldn't do things that manipulate people or obligate them to you. That's, that's, would you want somebody doing that to you? Would you want God doing that to you? We do it because we love and we care and we want to bless people. But I'll be honest with you, and you, you're going to be like me, I'm sure. I like to hear people say thank you. I do. Do y'all? Don't y'all love when somebody does, you do something for them, you love to hear them say, let me tell you why I like to hear them say thank you. It is not because that I have some need 
to have something in response or to make them feel uncomfortable or make them feel obligated or go on down the list. Nothing to do with that. Here it is for me. When I hear them say thank you, it confirms to me that they value what I've done for them. They value what I've done for them. It matters. So that I don't feel like that I wasted my time or my energy and my money or my effort, that I did something and then it, it really didn't matter, but it did matter to them and it, and it, it had an effect on them and it counts. And I'm like, good. And that, that makes me feel good. It makes me glad even more. Did you hear what I said? Even more. that I, I didn't do it for that reason, but even more if it matters to you and it counts. That makes, and I'll tell you what. When people say thank you, it makes you want to do more for them. I mean, who wants to do anything for somebody that never says thank you? You don't. And so I'm just saying when it comes to people, we should say thank you to people. Um, this is why we give a tip to a server at a restaurant. It's called gratuity. And the root word of gratuity is gratitude. And it's a way of expressing to the server how thankful you are for their service to you. And so if, if, if you're at a restaurant today or tonight and the server takes care of you and refills your glass and brings you your meal and keeps the bread out there and brings you steak sauce or whatever it is, ketchup, and they're just serving you, okay, when you get done, I know you paid for the meal, but a lot of servers don't make a whole lot of money. They rely on those tips. And if they've served you well, don't be a tightwad. If you're going to be a tightwad, eat at home. Because you don't have to tip your wife or your husband if he cooks. Okay? Don't be a, if you're going to be a tight, give them, give them 15%. And for those of you who make more money and a few dollars in your pocket is not going to make or break you. Put a couple more, three more dollars on there. A couple dollars, a dollar. It's not, it's not going to break the bank. Okay? Do you know who servers say they hate the most to serve in restaurants? This is everywhere. I've talked to them. They've told this pastor. Church people on Sunday after church. They say they're the meanest the rudest, and they don't leave tips. That's a pitiful, pitiful testimony for children of God. If they serve you, what if they don't serve me well? Well, you're just going to have to figure that one out. Now, if you're married to my wife, you're going to tip them anyway. And I just protest the whole time. I just want to leave it. I don't want to leave it. They haven't even refilled my drink one time. I know, but honey, leave them a tip. I don't want to leave them a tip. Leave them a tip. I do this under, I want to, I want to make an official, I'm filing official report. I am doing this under protest. And if I get real stubborn, she'll just open her purse. Well, then I'm going to leave them a tip. Well, then they got you there. You women get us. Ah, put your money away. I'll leave them, leave them a tip. Okay, so you figured that one out. But the whole point is, it's a way to express gratitude. So you should say thank you. Say thank you to your spouse when they do something. Don't take them for granted. 
Say thank you to your parents. Say thank you to your children if they do something good for you. Say thank you to the store clerk. Say thank you to church workers. You know, they're all volunteers, right? There's only a handful of people around here get paid. Full-time people. There's only a handful of us. All of these hundreds, not, not dozens, hundreds. Children's department, youth department, all these safety team, the, the impact team, all these people. Just tell them thank you. We don't think about that, do we? Tell them thank you. Thankful. Tell them how thankful you are for what they've done for you. Little things, big things. I want to talk about this before I close. There is an enemy of gratitude. It's called entitlement. It seems to be something that's pervasive in our society, isn't it? Entitlement. Entitlement is the feeling or the belief that you are inherently deserving of everything you ever receive in life. That you merit special attention and privilege just because you are you. I don't know where that comes from. And by the way, we, there, there are people that want to pin that on a certain generation. But I've seen some grumpy old old people that feel entitled. They want you to get out of their way. They want to be the first in line. They want, to be, they want everything. They, grumpy old men. Sometimes grumpy old men are the worst that feel entitled. I paid my dues. Get out of my way, you young whippersnapper. What in, the, what in the world's a whippersnapper? Who do you think you are? Entitlement. You gotta fight entitlement. If you have the if you struggle with entitlement, you need to you need to bury that thing and put it away. Because everything that I said in this message, I'm not going to repeat. But if I have said enough in this message, it is enough to tell you as a child of God, the only person who is entitled to anything is the Savior who saved your soul. That's the only, God is the only person entitled to anything. You have no title. You, just a, you were just a sinner. You were just a, 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 a person who was, who was wicked and evil. And now you're a saint. You're a child of God. And so whatever you have, it all funnels back to him. The only reason I'm those things is because he has the title. He's the savior. He's the deliverer. He's the healer. He's the restorer. He's the lamb that was slain. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has, he has the titles. He's the only one that gets his way. Here's a secret to success. I'm going to use absolute terms. Never forget the people who helped you get to where you are. And always, another absolute term, always let them know how appreciative you are for their invaluable contribution to your life. Don't take for, I have seen people, I have done some things for some people that have been pretty amazing. I'm thinking of one guy right now, and I love this young man. He's not young anymore, but years ago, he was a young man, and I loved him, and I did something for him that was pretty amazing. There wasn't a, hardly any gratitude that was shown to me. And it kind of hurts. But I did it because it felt like the Lord wanted me to do it, and that's done. It's between him and God, and I don't worry about it anymore. But for me, it's a thing with me. 
that the people who have helped me, and I know I'm 54 now. I'm not as young as I used to be, obviously. But I can look back on my life when I was a young man and the people who gave me chances and gave me opportunities and poured into my life. That's why Bobby Johnson, my pastor, who is 84 years old, just about every time I see him, I tell him how much I appreciate him. Because I'm afraid to think what kind of pastor I would be if it hadn't been for him. You won't ever forget the people that helped you get to where you are. And you always tell them thank you. So I want you to stand with me today. Who are the people that helped you get to where you are? God first. Your parents, coaches, mentors, pastors, supervisors at work who gave you chances, teachers at school, church leaders, even volunteers who bless you. So here's my question. Who do you need to tell thank you today? Who, who do you need to tell? I saw on Twitter this meme. Is it a GIF or a GIF? It's a GIF, right? I can't ever remember it. It's a GIF. Had a GIF of this wrestler who walks over to the ropes and puts his head down like this. And they just keep playing that over and over here's what the meme said you're just about to eat the Thanksgiving meal when somebody at the table says let's go around the table and everybody share five things they're thankful for right so maybe you did that maybe you did the go around the table thankful for things okay good for you that's good but just today in this service those of you watching online who do you need to say thank you to? Maybe somebody that you, this message God is using to help you be aware that, you know what, I've taken some people for granted in my life. I've taken God for granted. In the next 24 hours, here's my challenge to you. In the next 24 hours, pick up the phone, sit down and type an email or write a letter or get a card and contact those people and say, you know what, you did this for me. I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Thank you for what you did in my life. And since we're in church, I want us to close this service and begin this exercise by telling the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who gave his life, suffered and bled and died and rose from the grave and sits at the right hand of God right now as your advocate and high priest the mediator between God and man who washed your sins away and transformed you and took you off the road to hell and put you on the road to heaven and pinned your name in the Lamb's book of life. I want you to take time and I want you to thank Him for everything. I want you to write, let me tell you what, you can't do everything. Get 10 things, 10 things right now in your mind and I, they're going to sing and I want you to just take the next little bit and I want you to thank God for 10 things that God has done for you in this service. Are you ready? Go. Don't even wait on me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're just turning this into a Thanksgiving service. We may have had Thanksgiving Day and Thanksgiving meal, but God, we're having a Thanksgiving service. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for what you've done. Come on, church, take this time. We're going to give him thanks. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045.
For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.